0: Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington, and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. Hey, so yeah, welcome to church. Great to see so many people here, it's awesome. Very encouraging, and thanks for those that turned up for uh, pre-service prayer. It was a very touching time, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you guys doing that, and um, it matters a lot to the atmosphere of this place Um, as we gather on a Sunday, those that come before and lay the foundation of the presence of God through prayer. It is no small thing. It's vital. It's important, and I honor you and commend you and encourage you to keep doing it, and uh, encourage those that are thinking about maybe joining us Come a half an hour early, grab a coffee and, uh, and pray together. It's amazing to do that. Uh, so we're in week four, as I said, of this On Repeat series, which is probably going to carry on for a few more weeks yet to come. Uh, we've been setting sort of a foundation or a groundwork for uh, some of the things that informs and dictates and, and speaks to who we are as a people and where we're going as a church. Uh, and so we're going to continue that this morning. Uh, just a quick recap. Uh, week one, we talked about being a tribe, that we're relationship focused, right? As a church, one of the things that I uh, uh, we would hope is that when people come to this place, they'd feel a real deep sense of community and that, that there is a, a call not just to participation and attendance, but a call to deep relationship, to come and be a part of a group of people that are doing life together, that are on mission together. It's not just, we're not sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya. We've got a plan. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose. We're, we're trying to do something together. Uh, but one of my great illustrations uh, for me is just is just Lego. Who's, who, who played with Lego? Who still kind of secretly likes to play with Lego? It's pretty cool. And Michael should raise his hand because he's an engineer. and You should be building with... Anyway, so uh, Lego is such a great little thing, isn't it? An not a big thing. It's an expensive thing now, isn't it? Far out. Lego not cheap. Uh, but the way I see it is that uh, what can you do with a few blocks of Lego? Not a lot, Right. You know some of those sets that you pay like 40 bucks for and they come with like 30 pieces of Lego and it's just like, there's 10 steps and it's like five minutes. It's like, man, Lego must make some coin, right? But like, what can you do with a few blocks of Lego? Not a lot, but if every one of us had a handful of Lego and we all threw it into the mix, what could we build? Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and have you ever tried to build a set of Lego and you're missing a piece? Isn't that the most frustrating thing? It's like, I've got to finish this step and I can't, go, I can't move forward to step 14 because I'm missing a piece at step 13. And I just want you to know that you are one of those pieces, that you have pieces in your life, pieces on your world and and how God's wired you, that as we throw them in the mix together, we can do something crazy and cool here. You're important, you matter. God's put you here for a reason uh, on what's on your life. And as we do that, um, good things happen. But the thing about Lego is they click together. You know, Lego pieces without actually clicking together are just pieces. But the, the, the beauty of the actual creation comes when we click together so there's life together there's a togetherness week two we talked about choosing the boat that is that we're mission focused right that we understand that the greatest mission that the mission of the church is to reach lost people for jesus that jesus died to create a family we're in the family and he's calling more people and we can't lose focus that we can't get comfortable doing church and doing christianity so much so that we're not actually re- thinking about those outside of the community of faith We are mission-focused. Number three, we roll away the stone. And I wish I could use a focused word so that it all flowed. We are relationally focused. We are mission-focused. But I couldn't think of one. So I put that we are passionately involved, okay? The passion comes from the story of John 11 when Jesus was so passionate about Lazarus that he put himself at harm to go to awaken him. And then he called the people to be involved in the awakening, okay? And that we're to roll away the stones. We're to remove those things. And I say passionately involved because passion... Uh, is such an attractive thing, and it's such a contagious thing. Apathy, on the other hand, and just an, an uncaring, a, a lukewarmness as a turn-off for those coming to Christ. And so we've got to roll away the barriers as a church, as people, uh, so that m- as many people as possible could come to Jesus. And like, we're into week four. Here we go. Are you ready? We take a step. Can you say that? We take a step. We take a step. All right. Come on, this is we are Discipleship-focused. We are discipleship focused. Alright, let me read you Jesus in Matthew 28. This is 16 to 20. I like to start at 16 because I'll get to it. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the woman and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still had lingering doubts. I find that, Interesting, somewhat encouraging, somewhat bewildering, all in one. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All of the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of... Of this age. What is our hope, C3 Wellington, that we would be and create committed followers of Jesus? Come on, I've written this. We want people to do more than simply turn up to church. We want people to go on to become committed followers of Jesus. We are intentional about walking together and helping people discover their purpose and identity in Christ. We are intentional about walking together. So this this message is all about discipleship. Another word for discipleship is followership. Followership is defined as the capacity or willingness. Those are two, I like those words. Your capacity or ability and willingness, desire, to follow a leader, to follow somebody. That's followership. The art of following requires someone to be in the lead. I know this is not rocket science. We're not breaking new ground. Okay. By definition of followership, it requires that there's someone else in the lead. We are called to followership. We are called to discipleship. Good question to ask yourself. Who is in the lead of my life? Who am I following? Who have I given influence? Whose lead am I following? Come on, church. We want to support you to grow in your capacity and willingness to follow Jesus. As a church, we want you to grow in your capacity, and your willingness to follow Jesus. I love that Jesus said to teach them to faithfully follow. Teach them to faithfully follow. Come on, so we are not just called, church, to make disciples. We are called to make disciples that make disciples. Do you see the difference? I love that in Christianity and in the flow and the rhythm of following Jesus and, and being in relationship with Jesus, nothing ends on us. Everything that he he blesses us with is for your good and His glory, and overflows beyond you to others. When he says you'll, if you, I love that in John in John seven, I think it is when he stands up at the feast of the booths and said, and he said "Those that are thirsty, come and drink." So I love that the call to Jesus is to come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're weary, come. It says in Isaiah, "Come and buy bread without money. Come and come and if if you're feeling poor, come. There is there is something. There's sustenance. There is joy. There is satisfaction. You don't have to pay for it. It's here. Just come. The call is just to come. If you're thirsty, if you're weary, just come. Those that are heavy laden come. The call to Jesus is to come. But I love that it just doesn't end on you being going from thirsty to satisfied. It says that those that come and drink will overflow, become a river. For those to drink from. It says that come, those, come to me those that are thirsty and drink and out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. So it just doesn't end on you. I, I love this. It's like the, the, the stone drops into the water, and the ripples go off, and they never stop, and they just keep going, and they keep going. We are called to be a disciple. We're called to make disciples, but we're called to make disciples that will make disciples. I think this is so critical that we understand that next step, right? And so we're, we're not just called to learn the teachings of Jesus Christ. We're called to live them and teach them. Now, some of us are gifted with a gift of teaching, okay? It's just like the gift of evangelism. I could talk up here and say that, like we did in being mission-focused, that we are called to go, come, and, and invite, right? And so some people say, invite, yes! I want to invite. When Bex was talking about talking to that person at the supermarket, and that's my next target. I'm going to be talking to that person, aiming for them, praying for them. You're, some of you are going, yeah, and other guys, are, I'll never do that in a million years. No, thank you. I want to just head down, get through the supermarket. Please, Lord, don't make me have to... You know, and like, you're just not wired... Like, Bix is wired, and that's, that's okay, right? But maybe not the person in the supermarket. Maybe that's too awkward for you, but there is someone in your world that Holy Spirit-inspired, you can have a conversation and invite them, and won't feel awkward for you. It might feel nerve-wracking, and it might require faith. Isn't that just a novel idea? That something actually requires faith, like, oh my gosh, I'm putting myself out here for you, Lord. You know, come through, please, come through. But I'm just saying, there's a step there. So we're not all teachers, we're not all gifted with the gift of teaching. You're not all going to get up here necessarily and do this sort of stuff. But we are, we are called to be those that teach. Now, what does that mean? By lifestyle, by the way that you live your life, by your passion for Jesus, everything you do is teaching. In fact, your actions are, as a parent, your words are one thing, but they watch what you do. And if your actions are incongruent with your words, your words are worthless anyway. Right? Teaching, uh, when uh, learning is an interesting thing, isn't it? Like We all learn differently. Uh, some of us learn by, like, uh, for example, if someone wants to, t- uh, I'm going to use a board game analogy, yeah, board games, right? Okay, so uh, recently I played a new board game with some friends, and uh, I turned up, and it, this was a new board game to everybody, including the, the, the friend that owned it, and he hadn't had a chance to learn the game and teach it to us like you would normally teach it, right? And so the way that we learned the game is him reading the rules to us for an hour and a half, Okay? I didn't learn much. There are other people at the table that grokked it, got it. They understood it. Not me. I needed to see the pieces moving. I needed to have, like, how does this connect to the overall theme of the game? I, I, I'm a bit more of a kinetic learner. Who's with me? A little bit more of a kinetic learner, right? People learn differently. But honestly, what you do and how you move and how you act, and that is teaching. That is sending a signal. That is, and people are watching. Here's what I want you to know. People are watching your life more than you realize Okay, everybody's a leader. Everybody is a leader. You're called to lead your life. You're called to lead your finances, lead your time, lead where you, you, know, lead where you invest your resources. You've got to make decisions. You're called to be a leader. You are a leader. God is looking for you to be a, I love the scripture where he talks about being faithful with little and trust you with much. Now, okay, he's talking about money because he talks about unrighteous mammon, right? He says that if I can entrust you with a little thing, if I can't trust you with a little things, why would I trust you with much? Or if I can trust you, reverse it. And he says, so if I can't trust you with unrighteous mammon, how would I trust you with true riches, right? And so the guts of that is this, that if we're faithful in leading ourselves well, God will give us influence and entrust us to lead others, right? We will be, he will entrust people to follow us. So as you showed to be a, a, someone that, that has the ability to be faithful with what God's entrusted to you, he will give you more, more being true riches, true riches being people. People. I don't want to twist that scripture to say if you're good with money God's just going to pour more money. I, I don't like that interpretation as much as I like that true riches. True riches is not dollars and cents, people. I I, I, know, that, I know that these are great giving messages right you know they're great giving messages you know like where your treasure is your heart will be also you know and say like, you know why uh, why store it up where moth and rust destroy with break breaking the steel but store your treasure in heaven what can you store in heaven what can you store in heaven not rhetorical tell me what what, what can you what gets to heaven people, people. So again, the way that you value and treasure and look after when you lead your life in such a way, God is going to reward you with true riches. God's saying, don't spend your time building your kingdom and get to the end and wish you had done something that had eternal value, that actually had something that was everlasting. Everlasting is people and investing your time into people. People will follow you as you follow Jesus. Isn't this a beautiful thing? I love this about discipleship. It doesn't require you being able to, uh, you know, talk about the doctrine of whatever. Uh, it's just about living your life in a way that honors, and responds, and reflects Jesus. People will see it, and it'll imprint on them. I've got here that discipleship unlocks purpose, and I, I'm so fully believe in this that purpose flows from a person. It flows from relationship with Jesus. That's where purpose flows from. Uh, Andy Stanley wrote, uh, actually, sorry, he, he does, he's written a lot of great books, but this was actually a leadership podcast. Uh, he talks about the catch of purpose, and it was really eye-opening. A re- one of those revelations for me when I heard this in one of his leadership podcasts, and I want to just give you the synopsis of what Andy Stanley said. He said, this is the fine print of your calling. Okay, so purpose flows from Jesus. Uh, and everyone wants to know, come on, what's my purpose? What am I wired to do? God, you've given me a, uh, it says that I've given you, I've, uh, I've created you as my workmanship for good works that you ought to, you should, do, you're called to do good works, you're called with purpose, you're designed uniquely, your Lego pieces count. But here's the fine print of your calling, of your purpose. It says that the, he said that the purpose can't be self-effacing, it can't be a self-effacing passion and drive. It can't be a a self-seeking thing. I want to know my, 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 my. What's my purpose? What am I going to do? What's my calling? He says, because that's going to be the challenge. The challenge is it it can't be centered around you. It can't be centered around your satisfaction. It can't be centered around your significance because that would make your purpose a means to your own end. this is the catch of purpose, that your purpose is a means to someone else's end, right? That Jesus came to give his life away for you and for me. That he's modeling something here. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow. And so one of the catches of of purpose is that, in in some ways, you've got to die to it in order to find it. You've got to go, God, what can I do for those around me? How can I get involved with those? What can I do to impact those around me? And in understanding that you find it. Isn't it crazy? It's crazy. Because this is the truth. Following Jesus is in others' focused life. It just is. And uh, But it's so awesome. As you find your people and as you walk with them and understand that you make a difference, then all of a sudden purpose becomes unlocked. It's a beautiful thing. Let me read to you Luke 9, and 24. It says, Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more true life. Whoo! There's a promise. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you'll lose what you're trying to keep. It's the Passion Translation there. Just gives it a different flavor. I like that. You know, if, if you choose to give up, to understand that your life doesn't end on you, that Jesus and, and, and your followership of him doesn't end on you, but that you're a conduit, you're a river, you're going to drink and then allow it to flow through you, then all of a sudden you're going to embark on a life which is discovery of more and more true life. But if we try to keep our lives to ourselves, you will lose what you're trying to keep. So purpose is found when you commit to following Jesus and surrender to his ways. Your purpose is this, to make disciples who make disciples. It doesn't matter how you're wired. It doesn't matter what gift you've got. All the ministry options, all the spiritual gifts, all of the, everything is there to build the family, to build up the body of Christ. That's what Paul was saying when he read through the spiritual gifts. We're all, we've all got these, and these are to build up the body of Christ, to edify, to build up, to increase and grow the body of Christ. Everything that we've got on our lives is designed to help build people for Christ. Your purpose is making disciples who make disciples. So here's the truth. Discipleship is upstream of purpose. <laughs> followership is upstream of purpose. You must choose to follow before you can call others to follow. There's a saying in America you've got to drink the Kool-Aid. That's the thing in New Zealand, we've got to drink the Raro. Come on, we've got to drink the Raro. You've got to drink the Raro if you want other people to drink the Raro. You know? You've got to be in. You've got to be in it. You've got to be, got to be bought, bought into it. And here's, I always remind myself that God opens doors that no man can shut and shuts the doors that no man can open. No one holds the key to your life and to your purpose. No one is holding you back. No one is preventing. God will do what he's called. No one can stop the purpose of God on your life. No person has that authority. God holds the keys to your life. God holds the keys to your purpose. Nobody else. Did you hear the promise of Jesus from those who choose to follow You will embark on discovery of more and more true life. Okay, so we've seen that this message is called We Take a Step. We Take a Step. So to take a step, excuse me, follow implies movement. It implies movement. And I think we gave it a bit of a whale this morning with that worship. You guys are sounding great, by the way. Good worship. Some banger of songs we've got going on right now. Loving it. Revival, revival, revival. <clears throat> to take a step, to follow implies movement, right? To follow implies movement. It's not, again, not rocket science, okay? You're not following if you're standing still. You're not following. The implication is that you would take a step. Completing a marathon is simply accumulation of a lot of steps. All right? A lot of steps. <laughs> Corn it's a lot of steps. Though. It's a lot of steps. All right, uh, it's got to be at least 50,000 steps, all right? And that's daunting, right? It's daunting. But you've got to consider that really you've just got to take one more, <laughs> all right? And in fact, when you're in an, any sort of uh, long-distance thing, and it's an, a cause for endurance, by the way, the Christian walk is that. You're in need of endurance, perseverance. Sometimes it's just remembering, I've just got to what's my next step? I've got to take one more step. Sometimes to think about the, the goal, the finish line is overwhelming and discouraging. But you can take one more step. I, th- I love that on uh, last Sunday when we went for a coffee uh, and our beach walk, um, Simon and I were talking about we're getting closer to donuts because we know that uh, Seashore Cabaret at the other end of the beach did donuts. Now, we didn't know what kind of donuts. We were on the belief of the fancy donuts. That's what was holding us. Hold- we're staying the course for fancy donuts, Okay. But with, with about uh, two minutes left to go or three minutes left to go of this walk, a group in front of us had turned around and started coming back. And we're like, come on, you're on the borderline of breakthrough to donuts, guys. You don't even realize it, right? You've gone this far and you've decided that's enough and you're going to turn around. But if you just realize, if you could just keep going, donuts were in your future. And, uh, and so we, we, like, we appeal to them. Don't, come on, don't quit now. Don't turn around now. If you keep going, Donuts. Okay, so, you know, it's, uh, just take another step. Take another step and you'll be rewarded. Come on, we just got to keep taking steps. 1 Corinthians nine twenty four says this, Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Okay, keep moving, keep stepping. Let's just pause right now and just have a little reflective moment and think about your walk with Jesus. Does it feel like you're still moving forward? Or does it feel like there's been some standing still? Does it feel like like on the beach there's been a turnaround and walking the other way? Does it, does it? Where are you at this morning? Just take a moment and think about that. God's calling you back to stepping, back to going in the direction he's called you to go. Your life has meaning, has purpose, has direction. Come on this morning. Come on, at C3, we are passionate about following Jesus and inviting others to follow. We want to be asking two questions, church. Right. Number one, what's my next step? What's my next step? That that can be a lot of things. And here's another question. What's their next step? What's their next step? What's their next step? Because you're called to be both a disciple and a disciple maker. You're both a plant and a watering can. You're both. You're both. So, with that said, who's God placed in your world to water? Who's God placed in your influence sphere that you can be the watering can, the encourager, the influencer? Who's the person that God's placed in you that you can encourage them? Who in this church are you watering? And who are you allowing to water you? 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says this, Follow me as I follow Christ. I love Paul right there. Paul saying, right, you want to know what this Christian life looks like? Follow me as I follow Christ. Do you understand what Jesus said when he first reached the disciples on the shores that, that day when he began, began to call people to do life with him? What were the words he said? Follow me. Follow me. And he exemplified it, didn't he? He said, "Come, do life with me, learn from me, grow, and then repeat. Repeat. It doesn't end on you. You're not just learning this so that you just for you. There's a rep- there's a repetition. There's a multiplication. There's a okay. And when he sent them out to do ministry, he sent them out in two by two together. There's a togetherness. There's a support in that. Okay, so what does it look like in the life of C3 momentum What does it mean for us to, to take a step? What, what, is, what are some pragmatic things? Well, I think one of the things for me that informs me is that we, we want to think in steps. We don't want to think in programs, okay? And although these things might not feel like too dissimilar, I think it's an important paradigm shift to think. So we're thinking in steps. It's not about what program can we add, create, we're thinking about how do we step people closer to relationship with Jesus? How can we help you take your next step? Come on, our goal must be spiritual growth that leads to fruitfulness. This is the goal, right? The goal is that you would grow in your passionate pursuit of Jesus, and the outcome of that is fruitfulness. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, you can do no thing. Apart from me, I grew up in the era of complex church. In fact, this morning I was playing the team some of the fantastic praise and worship that we had back in the 80s. As a walk down memory lane. I'm not going to sing you any of them. But but I grew up in the era of two and a half hour long church services, eight songs, you know, just you know, an hour of praise and worship. And I'm not saying there's nothing anything wrong with that. It's, it was what what I grew up with. But there was every program under the sun. There was just, it was just a, a myriad of programs. Think about your computer desktop. Who's the kind of person that has, like, their desktop is just covered in folders and icons, and that was... <laughs> First of all, I'm going to pray for you. Second of all, it's overwhelming. Overwhelming. I'm sure there's order in the chaos. It's probably very orderly. I imagine Sarah's would be very orderly, you know. Um, of course you do. Yeah, of course you know where. But, but it's like it's a myriad of options, right? And that was kind of what church was like. It was just a myriad of options. And, uh, and look, this, again, this is just, it's just ways of doing life, right? It's ways of doing, doing things. And uh, the church calendar was just jam-packed of events and gatherings. Uh, it was, like I said, an incredibly complex culture with a lot of moving parts. And I just want to say, C3, let's keep it simple. I see, simplicity, I see complexity the enemy of growth. I think that as, as, we, as we try and widen and get too wide, I can see us getting, and we've been here a little bit in the past as a church, but I can see us having stretched really thin trying to keep a lot of things going, keep a lot of activities going. Uh, I, I really believe that complex, the complexity is the enemy of growth. And I think that here's the thing, let's do a few things really well. Let's do a few things really well. I'm really a firm believer of less is more. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a youth ministry or a young adult's ministry or a women's ministry or a men's ministry or whatever. I'm not saying that those things don't exist in our future. I'm just saying that we've got to understand that we, we, there's a few things that we've got to really focus on and do really well. Sunday gatherings, let's commit. And what I mean by commit is not just commit to attending it. This morning in prayer, um, I was just really impressed... Uh, about a vision that I received from, from God some time ago, uh, but it was this that our, the, the, the Jesus was enthroned in like a great hall. He was sitting on the throne in this great hall, and I was I entered this great hall and was just overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. It was incredible, you know. It just it just melts you, right? Just the warmth, the the the, the feeling of, of of safety, the peace. That just everything that emanates from the presence of Jesus. Who can relate to the, the presence of Jesus being that warm, peaceful, overwhelming sense of, of comfort and security and, 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 just, and just reminding you that you're valued, that you're loved. The presence of Jesus is incredible. In the presence of Jesus, people find healing. They're set free. You know, fear can't, can't survive in the presence of Jesus. Anxiety can't survive in the presence of Jesus. Darkness always gives way to light. Uh, And then I realized in this this great hall had these big doors, and there were uh, people outside of the great hall, and I just, everything in me was, I'm worshiping, but I, I just, other people need to experience this. And so there's a sense of opening the doors and saying, come, come, come and come and meet Jesus. Come and see Jesus. Come, there's this call to come. And it reminded me of the scripture, better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God, right? Better to be that person that can beckon people to come. It's one of the greatest things is to, to see someone come and see them go through the door and be overwhelmed and captivated by Jesus. When I say commit to Sunday gatherings, I'm not just saying come and fill a seat, I'm saying come and not just be the person that, that, that comes into the hall, but also as a, as a person beckoning other people to come. You can be that person. That's when you can be someone that influences someone else. Your worship can transform the room. can transform the room. In that moment, you are leading, you are teaching others, you will get a permission giver. Steve Burgess talked about this a couple of uh, conferences ago, his opening message at at this conference, and he talked about being a permission giver, that you raising your hands isn't just about your worship, but it gives permission for others. He remembered as a a young Christian, as a new Christian, going to church, and he just had this unction, the desire he wanted to worship, and he wanted to raise his hands. But he didn't know if that was a good, done thing. He didn't know if that was okay or not, and he didn't want to be, you you know, crossing any lines. And as soon as this older gentleman beside him raised his hands, he goes, yes, I can do it. And he raised his hand and just got absolutely caught up in worship because your body posture matters. It's not just some symbolization. Something happens even physiologically to us, chemically to us, there's body position absolutely matters. God wired us that way. There's something about that opening your body up. Like if someone's sitting and talking to you like this, they're very they're protecting their, their vitals. Their, what do they call that? Jacular, whatever. That's a, that's a really nervous, protective posture. It's saying something. This is saying something else. Right? So posture's connected. You know, but you can be a permission giver. It's amazing. So when I say, look, let's commit to church, I'm, I'm calling us to understand that you matter, that your worship matters, that your attendance, not just your attendance, but your involvement matters. Let's do a few things really well. Look, what's, what, what's the step to take today? Is it to encourage this person? Is it, uh, and what's your next, you know, what's your next step? And, and so let's think like that. Let's think like that. Let's do cruise really well. You know, and, um, and we've got some exciting stuff, you know, in the brew for that. We want to make crews just bang for buck and, and value for your life and that you would be, you just don't want to miss it. That you get, a, you come along and, you, and, and, and this monologue Sunday becomes dialogue in the room and we're able to lay the message on our lives and talk about it and encourage each other and pray together, worship together and see God do some great things together. And, and if you're not there, it's not the same. It's not the same. Let's do cruise really well. I'll carry on. Less is more. Acts 2, the early church, they learned together, they prayed together, they worshiped together, they gathered together, they ate together, and God added to their number daily. I love this. I just, I love that the togetherness was, was the, the, the conduit and the, uh, the catalyst for growth. There wasn't a program in sight. The first program came when the widows uh, were saying, hey, we, we're, getting, we're getting missed out on the food here, and we need someone to look after us. And, and so the, the apostles got together, and they're like, well, we've got to focus on teaching. What can we do? And they appointed uh, deacons for the first time. So they created layers within the church structure to look after people, right? So this is, this is I'm not against systems. <laughs> we're not saying that it's not value. And I love that Stephen... The food bank guy, that's what Stephen was. Stephen was the food bank guy. He was the guy that said, you look after the food, make sure that everyone gets fed. He was the food bank guy. He was the guy that gave this amazing, spirit-filled, gospel-centric with all the passion and all of the like conviction, so much so that they dragged him out and illegally killed him because of it. He's the first person to die for the cause of Christ, was the food bank guy. Zeal and passion. It's not about position or title. <laughs> None of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter. Your passion and enthusiasm will be an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need any position. You don't need any title. There wasn't a program in sight. There was just a lot of togethers next to. And I'm not saying that that's the end point. I'm not saying that's all there is. I'm not saying that C3 is only going to be Sundays and crews. I'm just saying that these we can do a lot with that. <laughs> We can do a lot there that when you understand and you take ownership, we all take ownership of what's my step, what's their step, right? That I am called to make disciples. There's no way that I get out of that call. That command was not just to a few people. The command is for all of us. Jesus says, go, teach them. Teach them by all manner of ways. Can you uh, just, if there's a track, that'd be fantastic team. That piano track this morning was amazing, wasn't it? Oh, got me in the feels. Look, there are so many things that we could add, which would be beautiful. But we want you to focus on doing life together and encouraging each other to take a step. Hmm. It's organic, it's inclusive, it's joyful, it's life-giving, it's how Jesus did it, and with pretty good results. I might add. it might not have looked it. He grew a church of, I don't know, 70, 103 years, 11 followers. But what he did in walking closely with those, that group of people, changed the world. It changed the world. It changed, the world. It changed the world. So, I want us at church to always think in steps. What's your next step? Well, it's not the marathon here. As far as, let's not think about that miles, that, what's, what's the step today? i was saying that is this, that there's no next. It's not attached to right now. Every next comes about from right now. So, what's the step? When it comes to you and Jesus, what's the step? What's the step? Maybe it's making a fresh commitment to follow Him. Maybe it's making a fresh commitment, like I talked about, to Sunday gatherings. Maybe it's making a commitment to getting plugged into a crew. Maybe it's inviting someone for coffee or dinner. Maybe it's reviving that devotion time where you'd pray and read the word and get caught up in his presence. Maybe it's opening up to someone about your struggles. Maybe your fears, you know, inviting someone in. Maybe it's just choosing to do life closely with others in this room. In this church, I love that. They gathered together, they prayed together, they worshiped together, they ate together, and God added to their number. They were very involved in each one taking a step. What's your step? Let's stand church.